Yeah? You're still awake? Yes? Good, good, good. You ready for a good word? Um, I'm excited to give a good word. Man, I, I am privileged. I, I think more often than any years past, God is reminding me what a privilege it is to bring the word of God. That it is a burden, it is a high calling, a high responsibility, but it's a joy as well. What a joy it is to spend all this last week just reading God's word and figuring out what he wants to say. And so I know we spent a lot of time in prayer, but I know I say this. Let's see if we can time me. Can I do it in less than 20 seconds? I'm going to say a quick prayer. I know those quick prayers are not as quick by Pastor Ryan. But a quick prayer over the word this morning because I don't want it just to be my studying that comes forth. I want it to be spirit breathed. I want us to receive a living word from God. And so I'm going to pray that God makes that happen. Would you join me in doing that? So God, I thank you that your word is living and active. You promise that it is that. So God, would you do a miracle? Would you open up our ears to understand spiritual truths? And may we be not only hearers, but doers as well. So Holy Spirit, help. You are the helper. Help me say your words that are on your heart and help us to receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. So where are we talking about this morning? Um, I'll start off with this, I don't know, not analogy, but this idea who here has ever experienced walking into a dark room and turning on a light and see cockroaches run? Anyone ever experienced that? Not everyone. Wow, you are a blessed people. Man, first world problems right here. Um, uh, yes, when Jen and I first got married, we moved into a place and the people that were living there before us um, were filthy, like the, uh, the kitchen was just disgusting. Grease everywhere, it just was foul. And then obviously it was a townhouse. So there's people that were on either side of you that shared walls and all that stuff. And so we cleaned the whole place out, gutted it all, bleached everything, clean, clean, did the little bomb, you know, the fogger things and you leave the house and did all that stuff. But no matter what you do, right, those cockroaches just wanna live. And so I remember we moved in and I can remember doing that, walking to the kitchen, turn the light and it wasn't like millions, but you'd see a couple of them like, ah, oh, like it just grossed me out, cockroaches. And the worst was I remember one time I was in the kitchen and I opened the silverware drawer <laughs> and a cockroach all over the silverware scampering and running. I was like, I had to take the whole silverware thing and dump it in the dishwasher. I'm like, I am not gonna wash one fork. That's disgusting. Anyways, I share all that because there's something about too often I feel like the church myself, I'm pointing here, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm saying the church. We live with cockroaches in our lives and we need the Holy Spirit to turn on the light and reveal it. There's things in our life that need to get removed. We need to deal with them. Not just pretend they're not there, not just live in denial, but the light needs to be turned on. And I don't think I even have this uh, in the slide. So just really quick, it says this. Um, oh, where's the verse I have? Luke 8, 17. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to the light. So Jesus' desire is to bring everything into the light. This can sound like a scary opening, that God wants to look at all your dark, hidden secrets and bring them and expose them this morning. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the enemy. The enemy loves to move and do things and have plans. And so often as a Christian, uh, I said first world problems in this Western world, I'm unaware of spiritual hosts of wickedness. I'm just living my life, enjoying my blessings. And I just wanna stay away from all that devilish stuff. But the reality is, as we talked about last Sunday, we need deliverance. Deliverance from what? From the plague of the enemy. And so this morning, we're gonna talk a little bit of continuance uh, on last Sunday. And um, I think there's something about us. Last Sunday was prepare for deliverance. We need to be prepared 
to have action. That was our verse for this year. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the year. That was our verse, prepare for action. In fact, um, I'd given a lot of leaders as we started off this vision for this new year, for this year, I gave them action figures, action heroes, and uh, they were to have that put into place to pray and just be reminded that we are to be busy. We're to be doing something. There would be soldiers, heroes that were forcefully advancing the kingdom of God, right? Uh, we read last week um, that there's a verse that says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Yes, Jesus came to die on the cross to save us from our sins, but in doing that, he was destroying the works of the devil. That God in Genesis, right, God had a plan for Adam and Eve. He said, man, I want you to be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion and to fill the earth. And then the enemy came. And when Adam and Eve sinned, the enemy came in and became the prince of the power of the air. And he had plans and purposes and he was working those out within the planet. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That is what we are to do. We're not just, again, you hear me say this, I don't want just my ticket to heaven, that I'm gonna live in this earth and I'm just gonna hide and bunker in and just pray that Jesus returns quickly. I want to be busy about his business. I want to be an action figure. I want to be a hero. I want to be written about, right? We read about David, we read about Moses, we read about all these heroes of the faith. I want to get to heaven and I want people to actually know, oh, you're Ryan. Not to make a name for myself. Does that make sense? I'm not saying this is an ego way. I'm just saying I want to make history. I don't want to just be like, who are you? What did you do? Oh, you got saved? That's all you did? No, I brought a whole bunch of people with me to heaven. Man, I destroyed the works of the devil. Everywhere I went, I was advancing the kingdom of God. And man, the gates of hell were not prevailing because I was just advancing God's kingdom. But with that, I've got to be aware. I've got to turn on the light and say, God, expose the works of the enemy. How can I destroy the works of the enemy if I don't even know what the works of the enemy are? I've got to be aware. I've got to be informed. I've got to know these things. I don't want to glorify the devil. I don't want to, this Sunday, talk all about the devil. I don't want to do that. But I want to be informed. I don't want to be ignorant. And so this morning, I want to continue. And so I'm going to say the title of this verse. I didn't even want to title it because I felt like, oh man, it's kind of like in your face. But the title of this morning's message is deliverance from curses. The reality is the enemy wants to curse you. The reality is we're gonna get into some biblical things. God actually curses things. And so I want us to look at this. And so what am I talking about? Um, really quick, I love looking at Hebrew and Greek. We're not gonna go in, in super depth, but I think I have a slide for some of these words in the Bible that define what curses are. So in Hebrew, this word, the, the most common word is arar, right? Which I know it's really small. Opposite of blessing and favor. Okay, that helps, but it does help a little bit, right? When God blesses you, you heard that word actually a lot this morning because it's a, I know it's in my message. I just had this, I was paying attention. Jen said blessing a lot. In worship, there was blessing. Um, it's going on, it's the opposite of that. It's opposite of blessing and favor. It's bondage to make weak and powerless. You're in bondage, you're chained, you're limited, and you're weak and you're powerless. That's the number one use of, of curse. The second number one, and there's actually multiple words, but I'm just going off the top two, is kalal, to make despicable, to make light, to make insignificant, to dishonor, to shake. I, when I saw it, to, to make light, I think of like glory. If you know anything about kabod, this is just, again, my geeking out. It's weighty. The glory of God is weighty. It's heavy. And this is like the opposite of it. It's like to lighten something. Where there used to be weight to something, when it's cursed, it's like, oh, it's light. It's like, ah, there's nothing to it. We don't have to be afraid of that because they're under a curse. So it's this idea. Then in the Greek, the New Testament, you get katara. I'm saying, probably butchering these words. 
It's the same word for condemned, that you're, you are in a court of law, you're condemned. You're found guilty and you have a judgment on you, right? So it's that same word, Qatar, literally to throw down, to cast down. And if you can't remember in the beginning of time, right, you're reading scriptures that Satan and a third of the, the angels were cast down. They were cursed by God. You're cursed. You cannot physically be up here with God's glory. You're cast down. So there's these, just so you understand what a curse is. Um, and I, this is not exhaustive <laughs> this morning. Uh, I have more verses on that Bible than uh, in the uh, computer to put up here that we're gonna get to. I already know. I got way too many pages of notes. But like I said, I don't want it to be information this morning. I can't encompass everything that there is to know about curses in the Bible. But I am, I am praying and believing that all these things I've studied, that God's gonna highlight what needs to be said this morning. And so getting the context, that we're gonna go through some scriptures in the Bible. So like I said, Genesis chapter three, this is the first time you find this word curse. Does anyone remember Genesis chapter one, God's creating things. Genesis two, he's t- talking, interacting with Adam and Eve. Genesis three, sin enters in, right? And now God is having to curse things. You guys remember this? Genesis chapter three, I don't know if I even have it up there or not. Um, but, but God curses the devil, the serpent, and says, you are gonna be on your belly. You're losing your legs. You're gonna be the lowest of all the animals. Um, it, you're gonna try to strike man's heel and he's gonna crush your head. You're gonna, he's gonna bruise your head. There's this curse, right? And then there's a curse that woman uh, is gonna have child in bearing. It's gonna be painful. It's not gonna be easy anymore for Adam. He's gonna curse the ground. It used to be easy to tend the garden. Now there's gonna be thorns and thistles and by the sweat of your brow. So there's this word curse. God is cursing. But to me, Genesis, the stories of Genesis are always foundational. They're not just cute little stories. They're describing how things work. In um, the class we're taking on Sunday night, uh, biblical citizenship, they're talking about the, nat- the laws of nature and the laws of, of who, how God sets things in order. And Genesis gives us a lot of foundational truths. This is just how things work. Gravity, what goes up must comes down. You can't change it. It's just, it's a foundational truth that there is gravity, right? There's a force that's pulling us down. So this idea of a curse, he's letting us know, God has let us know from the very beginning where there is sin, there is a curse. Where there is obedience, there is a blessing. It's just a foundational truth. Where you sin, you are under God's curse. It's just the truth. You can't get out of it. It's a legal foundational truth. It's it's set in stone. We can't change it. Sin brings curses. Obedience brings blessing. I talked about as I opened up the service in Deuteronomy 28. It's this whole chapter. And God is explaining to his people. He's saying, all right, Here's all these blessings. If you obey me, here's all the blessings. If you disobey me, here's all the curses. He's just explaining it, just making a foundational truth. This is how things are set up in the kingdom of God. You bless God, he'll bless you. You curse God. Now, this is kind of weird. What do you say, curse God? Condemn God. You find him guilty. That something goes wrong in your life, and you're saying, I blame God. I curse God or I condemn God for this bad thing in my life, you actually are now under a curse. So that's why I love what David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'm never gonna blame God for anything because I know if I curse God, I'm gonna be cursed. In fact, as I just said that, I thought of 
The only quote we have from Job's wife. What does she tell Job? Curse God and die. And we're like, man, what a horrible thing to be recorded for someone. And I was just thinking about that. She was telling Job what to do, but I wonder just this side thought. I wonder if that's actually a prophetic word. If you curse God, you're speaking death into your life. If you're speaking blessings to God, you're speaking blessings and life into your own life. Curse God and watch death reign and rule and cover your life. Bless God and watch the favor of God just come and pour out into your life. God is making these foundational truths from Genesis chapter 3. As you go on, Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, God says this, I will bless those who bless you. He's talking to Abraham. I'll bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Again, some more foundational truths. God is now saying it's not just God who has the ability to speak blessings and curses. He's saying, I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. He's saying, as a human being on earth, you have authority to bless and curse. It's a foundational truth. It's not just up to God. You have the ability to bless things, to bless people. You have the ability to speak curses onto things. And actually, this is where you get the contrast. I will arar, curse, those who kalal, curse you. So I will put in bondage and I'll make them weak, those who dishonor you, those who make light of you, those who think you're insignificant. This is a powerful truth, those two different Hebrew words. God is making this promise to his children. Those who dishonor you and make light of you, God is gonna say, I'm gonna make them weak. And this isn't just, our battle's not against flesh and blood. Our battle's against principalities. And so really quick, I associate this idea to David. In 1 Samuel 17, 43, we find another word, curse, being used. This is Goliath. And he says this in 1 Samuel 17, 43, Goliath says this. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So again, as humans, we have the ability to curse. And this Goliath is cursing David by his own gods. But I just, I, I think of this story often. I think David is reminding himself, wait a second. What did you say to my father, Abraham? God, you said that those who curse me you are going to curse. So wait a second. It's actually to my advantage that you just cursed me. David's looking at this huge giant. He's like, man, that's going to be a hard fight. And all of a sudden he says, oh, you cursed me? Ah, it's done deal. You're a dead man. You cursed me? God says he's going to curse you. He says he's going to strip you of, your, of any strength. You're going to become powerless and weak and you're in bondage. You just put yourself in bondage. Done deal. I love this. This is maybe me being a little weird. But that Greek word, it says to throw down. I think David says, you curse me? Oh, man, let's throw down. Throw, it's time to throw down. You throw down your curses at me, and I'll throw down my curses against you. Let's see if your God is as powerful as my God. Let's throw down, right? I love it. David is unafraid. 
He's unafraid of a human curse. He's unafraid of a demonic curse. Why? Because he knows God's word. He knows, oh, wait, you cursed me. <laughs> you did the worst thing you could have done. The worst thing you could have done. I, I, sorry, this wasn't really supposed to be a big part of my message this morning. But David, if you know the story of David, just before David and Goliath, David was in hidden, in secret, so King Saul didn't know. Samuel had to kind of like lie to get to Jesse's house and say he's just going there to sacrifice things. And he finally gets there and he anoints little David in secret. And this is David's coming out party. David was anointed king as a boy hidden in secrecy. And now he's just happening to go run an errand. He's just going to deliver something for his dad. And he sees this guy cursing God. And he's reminded, of, he's reminded of who he is. Wait a second, I'm the king. Wait a second, I have some authority here. If someone curses God, I've got to do something about it. I can't just sit back idly and let this happen. There's, there's an, a righteous anger is being stirred up within him. Someone is cursing and they need to be put in their place. I'm saying that this morning, some of us need to get a more David-like. God is saying he wants to awaken us to see that there are, being, there are curses being spoken and we need to combat them. We need to become these action heroes that we're men and women of action. That we see that light, God is turning the light on and we're seeing curses like, wait a second, that, I'm not gonna let that go. You said that? Oh, now my battle is not against flesh and blood, right? The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, right? But too often we just think, ah, it's not my problem. David said, that's my problem. I'm gonna be the king and there's someone cursing God, I've got to do something, right? I just hope and pray that I get more David-like, that I hear curses, people speaking curses over my nation. I'm like, oh, no, you don't. And I love, it says it in Romans and then Jesus says it too. I'll get there later. I got, I got a references. I don't know if I'll find it right now, but it says, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who spitefully use you. Bless and do not curse. In red letters in my Bible and Paul the apostle. So it's got double weight. There's something about me that I need to learn that my blessing has more power than the enemy's curse. I'm getting ahead of myself because I wanted to end on this. But Paul says this, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Where a curse abounds, a blessing has so much more power and authority. Where someone who is worshiping the devil, they are in sin, they're not following God, and they speak a curse, how much more someone who's a son and daughter of the king can speak a blessing and it has way more power than that curse. See, I, like I said, I have a whole bunch of information, but the Holy Spirit is saying right now, I can't let this go. This idea that tomorrow is Halloween. I grew up not celebrating Halloween. My mom and dad, I'm not blaming them. My mom and dad, we always turned all the lights off in, outside the house and inside the house. We didn't want anyone coming to our house. Like, we don't celebrate this thing. It's a pagan, wicked holiday. We're not doing it, right? I don't think that's always wrong. I'm not saying that's bad. 
But in that, I, I, I don't think they realized that, I didn't realize that in that, something got birthed inside of me that I was kind of afraid. That day, the enemy gets to do his thing and I just sit back and I just hide. And God is saying, that is such the wrong mentality. That is such the wrong attitude in life that God is exposing in my life. I've I, I shared with some leadership that last Sunday was my first time to ever declare that I want us as a church to have a deliverance ministry. <laughs> it took some chutzpah for me to finally say it. Because most of my life, when you talk about spiritual warfare and demonic, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want that. Like, let me just live in the blessings of God. Like, I was aware over the last nine years, there were people who came into our church that had demons. And I'm just telling you, default inside of me, the pastor was like, uh, let's just keep them quiet. Let's just let them like try not to cause a scene and have them leave and then we don't have to deal with it. But God is answering this deep spirit as deep cries out to deep. There's something deep within Ryan that this plague of fear is saying, no, this needs to be exposed, Ryan. You cannot be afraid of the demonic. You're called to be like David and I'm getting a little bit off subject, my name, even Ryan, I was named by my parents, Ryan. It means kingly. I've got to learn how to rule and reign with authority. That when a, a demon comes into this place, I'm not afraid. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm not trying to just like keep quiet. I'm like, who do you think you are? I get a little more like David. Wow, you were bold to come in this place? Guess what? You came into a place where we got deliverance ministry. You came in here with a demon. You're leaving without that demon. But I want that to be, yes, I'm leading by example, but I want that to get on all of us, not just in a church setting, that everywhere we go, we are prepared for deliverance. We are walking out the deliverance in our own life, and now we're desiring to see other people set free. But there's been a curse, I'll say, that was over my life to say, man, I just, I never watched any of those scary movies. I'm not saying I'm supposed to watch scary movies, but I just, there was a fear. I didn't want to be exposed to the demonic. And I'm saying, God is doing something to me. No, expose it. Expose the works of the enemy so that you learn how to destroy the works of the enemy. Hmm. I love this. So we're going through the Old Testament. We're in 1 Samuel, getting back to some of my notes. In Numbers chapter 22 through 25, there's this great story. Great Sunday school story for kids. Balaam is hired to speak a curse over the nation of Israel. And if you remember Sunday school trivia, on his way, he's riding a donkey and he gets mad at the donkey. He whips the donkey, he kicks the donkey and the donkey's getting more mad at him. Eventually, God finally opens the mouth of the donkey. Why? Because there's an angel of the Lord right there ready to kill Balaam. And the donkey finally opens his mouth and speaks in English or in Hebrew, whatever, speaks, speaks to Balaam. And Balaam hears a donkey speak in an earthly language. He's like, what? He's like, it's this crazy story. But in the story, Balaam goes three times to speak curses over the nation of Israel. He goes up onto a mountaintop overlooking where the army is and he goes to speak a curse and nothing but blessings come out of his mouth. And the king will hide him. He's like, what are you doing? I hired you to speak a curse. And I guess we had lots of things in the story. This wicked king back in the Old Testament thousands of years ago, he got that there's power in curses. We in the Western world are like, ah, whatever. That's like, that's like wives' tales. That's like silly kid stories. 
But they got the understanding there is actually power to curse somebody. And Balaam had power in the past. He hired him because he'd done it before and it worked. Balaam had cursed people and the demonic came and overruled and did things. It couldn't happen in the nation of Israel. Why? Because they were God's people. He could not. Every time he went to go speak a curse, blessings came out. In fact, Nehemiah recounts the story. And in Nehemiah 13, 2, it says this. In Nehemiah 13, 2, and he's just recounting the story of Balaam. And he says, they hired Balaam to curse them, though our God turned the curse into a blessing. God turned a curse into a blessing. Someone, that's the only word you need to hear today. God turned a curse into a blessing. He did it in that story, which means he can do it in your story. Maybe you've been under a curse and God says, I can turn your curse into a blessing. In fact, I love this in Proverbs 26, 2, talking about curses. Proverbs 26, 2, it says this, an undeserved curse Oh, I lost my spot. Hold on. An undeserved curse will be powerless to harm you. It may flutter over you like a bird, but it will find no place to land. This is the truth. Okay, really quick. This, this month has been a Pastor's Appreciation Month. I felt the blessing of God in lots of ways, not just with your gift towards me, your tangible monetary gift to me was a blessing. I gave a testimony of that. But spiritually, even mentally, emotionally, I felt blessings. I could tell people were praying for me and I felt encouraged. I felt the blessings of your prayers and honoring me. I could feel it. Can I be honest with you? Without going into great detail or barely any detail, when I became the pastor of this church nine years ago, this church was in an upheaval. There was lots of stuff going on. And there are people who left this church that meant, I, I sorry, I had to be really quick because I still, they hold such a dear place in my heart. I love them deeply. I can't prove it in the natural, but in here, I can tell you, I felt curses. People left this church and they said things about me that weren't true. I could feel them. I could feel the effects of God's people saying something about me. But I had to remind myself, wait a second, I feel the demonic coming to curse me. But I had to quote this Proverbs, wait a second. This curse is like a fluttering bird over me. It's over me right now, but it's not going to find a place to rest. I'm not going to let that, I'm not going to receive that curse. I'm not going to take that on, that what they said about me is true. And it's going to affect me. And I'm going to live under the effects of that curse. No, I felt it fluttering over and I spoke the truth of God. But wait a second, God, I didn't ask for this position. You told me that you wanted me to be the pastor. So I'll do in obedience and submission to you whatever you ask me to do. And I'll let you work it out. God, I speak blessings over those people. Whoever they are right now speaking negative things over me, I can feel it and I speak blessings over them. God, would you reward them with peace and grace? May they find a great church with a pastor who teaches them the truth of God's word. May they feel the family of God loving on them. I just began to speak blessings. And as I blessed them, that fluttering curse had no power over me. God can use what the enemy meant for evil in my life for good. I was able to humble, I, 
this sounds, I, I just need to give you examples. I hope when I share these things, it doesn't sound like I'm patting myself on the back. I just want to give you real life examples. God used that season in my life where people were saying negative things about me behind my back. He used it as an opportunity for me to humble myself. I'm not gonna go and curse those who curse me. I'm just gonna submit to God. God, whatever is true, God, if there's any shred of evidence of truth, God, I take ownership of it. I own that, God, and I repent of whatever I did that was arrogant, whatever I said that was offensive to them. God, change me. I don't ever want to offend anybody. So change my heart, change my attitude. I own whatever I need to own, and I submitted to God. But then I had to resist the devil. I had to say, no, I don't receive those negative emotions and those thoughts. That is a lie and a curse from hell itself. And I will not receive it. And so I had to do both, submit to God and actively resist the devil and watch the devil flee. It was a blessing. What the enemy meant for evil, a curse spoken in my life became a blessing. I grew in humility. I grew in strength to overcome the enemy. I can overcome evil with good. Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? These truths need to be lived out, not just underlining your Bible verse, like that's a good verse. Man, I've underlined that in my Bible, but I speak it often. I quote it to myself often. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've got to hear myself say it. God, you're for me. Even though I don't feel it right now, I feel this curse fluttering over me. I feel these emotions, these thoughts. It seems real. But God, your word speaks a better truth. And I'm gonna declare and let that faith arise. I just declare what your word says over what I feel. Your blessings are more powerful than anyone else's curse in my life. Last one from the Old Testament. I actually read some of it to open up the service. Malachi chapter three. God is saying this again. He's saying, you've robbed me. You've, you've taken what was mine and you took it away from me. And they're like, wait, we robbed you? What do you mean we robbed you? How did you do that, God? He said, with a tithe and offering. Bring it into the storehouse where it belongs. And in verse nine, it says this, Malachi 3, 9. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. It's amazing how my disobedience can have an effect on more than just myself. God says, in your disobedience, you brought a curse into your own life and it's affecting those around you. If I, as the head of my household, don't practice tithe and offering, I'm not just cursing Ryan's finances, I'm cursing the Donnelly household. I'm bringing my kids under a curse. I, I just want us to understand the truth of God's word. It goes beyond the Donnelly household. I'm bringing my church family under a curse. Now there's not enough money to pay the bills. And if no one ever obeys the tithe and offering, man, that church fizzles and fades away and there's no more church. This is not a sermon on tithe and offering, but I want us to understand there is a real curse. There's the real principle of curses. I can be saved and going to heaven. I got my ticket to heaven, but in this area of my life, if I'm in disobedience, in that area of my life, I'm under a curse. 
And God is saying this morning, he wants to expose many areas that I'm not going to get to all today, but there are areas in our lives that we are saved holy and we'll go to heaven one day, but currently in your life right now, you are under a curse. I don't know if you want to own that or not, but I know that I know that I know the Holy Spirit is saying that to some of us in this room. I'll say most of us, if not all of us. There is an area in your life, if you are honest, that you are under a curse. And the good news is God is exposing it because he wants to bless you. That's the rest of the verse, right? Verse nine, he's saying, you are cursed with a curse. And he keeps going on. Verse 10, try me now in this. Try me now in this, right? If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, to contain it. Again, obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings a curse. It's all throughout scripture. But the good word, oh man, I gotta go quick. New Testament, we can't even get into it. Oh, let's see how I can do this really quick. All right, we're gonna go speed read on a few of these things. Galatians 3.10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. I don't have time to unpack this. Some of us are under a curse. How do I say this <laughs> and move on quick? of religion. Like I said, I got more, ver I spent more time in God's, I don't wanna make this a competitive thing, but I'll just say, I'm guessing, I spent more time in God's word this last week than you did. I'm not trying to compete, like pat myself on the back. I spent a lot of time in God's word this last week. That's a good thing. But this, I don't have a relationship with a book. I have a relationship with a person. And if all I do is I come under the judgment of a book and I just glorify this book and I just want to have a relationship with a book, I'm under a curse. I want a relationship with Jesus. And this is my number one best source for him. So I'm not dishonoring the book at all. But the enemy would love to twist and pervert things and bring you under a curse. And he's saying, if you have a relationship with this and not Jesus, you're under a curse. It's all over the church. People, ah, We've got to read this, spend time in it, but don't enthrone this over your relationship with Jesus. The, law, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. I felt as I spent more time, like I said, so much time, I felt that I had all this information and then I felt a weightiness on me. How am I, like I said, even right now, I see the time. How am I gonna get all this information out? Sometimes I'm under a curse if I'm just trying to find the letter of the law and live under the letter of the law. Man, I don't know how to move on from that quick, but some of us need freedom from that. Galatians 3.13, three verses later. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God, right? In Christ Jesus. Jesus, who had no reason to have any curses land on him, he says, I will be cursed so that you will not live under a curse. I don't have to live under any curse. I should have no fear of anyone cursing me. 
I should have no fear of Halloween. I should have no fear of anything the enemy has planned for Ryan's life. I'm not afraid of any of his plans because I'm not under a curse. Jesus took all the curses. He took all my sin, all the curses, and I am under the blood of Jesus Christ, and I am set free. I got to move on super quick because I got to, I know time, but I, I got to, I got to say this. There's, I always say I can maybe make this like a, a series, but I, I already know God won't let me. But if you ever want notes, I got tons of verses on this, but I got to get to this. Uh, okay. I, okay. We're going to go over like two minutes because it's already two minutes till we're going over. Sorry, but I'm going to read to you something from my Bible. This is again, it doesn't mean this Bible is better than yours, but this is my favorite version. Spirit-filled life Bible, Jack Hafer's editor, love it. Um, he's got kingdom dynamics in here, just little notes on things. And so he, he says this in one of this commentary. I'll, I'll leave it that. So this isn't necessarily scripture, but it's explaining scripture. He talks about deliverance. And he's talking about how in this scripture in Exodus, the 10 commandments, there's curses that go from one generation to the next. And he says this, it's a warning that the spiritual impact of decisions made or actions taken does transmit to successive generations. According to God's word, there are spiritual genetics as well as physiological ones. Just as Adam's sin transmits to the present in a hereditary as well as legal way with a disposition to sin, not only with that fact, that sin casts its shadow over us as human beings. Okay, it's getting wordy, but hopefully you're tracking. So while no child is held responsible for the sins of his dad or his forefathers, he is or may inherit a propensity to a bondage, the power of which perpetuates its evil impact on the offspring. Apart from repentance and consequent deliverance through Jesus Christ, any believer may be a carrier, as it were, transmitting to future generations spiritual genetics of the past. I'll stop there. He's got more to say, but I'm just gonna stop. Is that making sense? I don't have time because there's, if you said this in 10 different churches, you'd have 10 different opinions and there'd be controversy. But I'm just saying, open up your mind to think of this. Can there be generational curses? Can there be something where if I don't bring the tithe and offering that I'm teaching my kids to walk in that same curse? If I choose to walk in that obedience, I'm teaching them how to walk in that same obedience and they're gonna receive that same blessing. So I don't have time to unpack the whole idea and concept of, of generational curses. But the truth is they exist. And the truth is under Jesus who became the curse, we don't have to fall prey to all of them. If we repent, we are free. Whom the sense sets free is free indeed, completely free from all curses. But again, I would love for this morning for the Holy Spirit to unveil, to reveal that there might be something that's coming down through lineages in my family. And I need to break that off. So really quick, I have a slide for this. Um, I'm just gonna share this. Jonathan Edwards, he was a Puritan preacher in the 1700s. Do you remember him? Great Awakening, Jonathan Edwards. He married his wife, Sarah, in 1727, and they were blessed with 11 children. Every night when Mr. Edwards was home, he would spend an hour having a conversation with the whole family, and then he would pray a specific blessing over each child before they went to bed. An American educator, A.E. Winship, decided to trace the descendants of Jonathan Edwards almost 150 years after his death. His findings are remarkable, especially when compared to another man from the same time period known as Max Jukes. 
Max Juke's legacy came to people's attention when the family tree of 42 different men in the New York prison system were traced back to him. He lived in New York about the same time period as Edwards. Same time, same place. The Jukes family was studied by sociologist Richard L. Dugdale in 1877. So again, both these families 150 years after their death. Max Jukes, Jonathan Edwards. Here's some statistics. Jonathan Edwards' legacy includes one U.S. vice president, one dean of a law school, one dean of a medical school, three U.S. senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 65 professors, 75 military officers, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, 100 clergymen, and 285 college graduates. This is the blessing from Jonathan Edwards onto his children and children, children, Max Jukes. His descendants included seven murderers, 60 thieves, 150 other convicts, 190 prostitutes, 310 paupers, 440 who were physically wrecked by addiction to alcohol. Of the 1,200 descendants that were studied, 300 of them had died prematurely. I don't know how you refute the truth that there is such thing as a generational curse. Does that mean that every single descendant of Max Jukes had to live out that curse? No. But there is a propensity, there is a bent towards falling in. If you don't choose to expose the light and deal with it, you're gonna live under it. And God is saying this morning, he wants to bring deliverance to the curses. I know I said I'm ending on that. I gotta say one more thing. I don't think it was a coincidence that it just came up in conversation with my kids this past week. I don't know how it came up, but we're talking about something. I shared a story of what a teacher said to me 30 years ago. 30 years ago, a teacher said this to me. She said this simple phrase. It doesn't even sound that harsh, but for me, it stayed with me for 30 years. She said, who are you, Ryan? What are you, stupid? And she was angry. She said, what are you, stupid? Go sit back down. And in front of the whole class, I had to walk the shame all the way back and just think I was stupid. It's amazing how that simple word, it still stirs up emotions to this day, 30 years later. That was a curse. She was ridiculing me in front of my friends and basically calling me stupid. I bring that up not to stir up my emotions because there's things that have been spoken in this room over your lives. And God is saying he wants to break the curse. He wants to break any effect of what is hanging over your life. That you're not meant to live under a curse, but under the blessing of God. During worship, I was reminded of how Jesus was overlooking Jerusalem. And he says, oh, like a mother hen collects her children under her wings. So I long to bring the children of God under my wings to bring them under my protection, under my favor, under my blessing. I said, Revelation says there's healing in his wings. The Lord is saying this morning, he wants to expose some things, not to cause problems, not to make a big deal, glorify the enemy or the pain in our life, but to set us free, to bring life, to bring joy, to bring freedom.
So we're going to end this service because i got to end it, right? We're five minutes over. If this is resonating with you, because I think it resonates, like, this is just truth, so it should resonate with everyone in the room. But if there's something that the Holy Spirit is going to highlight to you in the next moment, would you, as soon as I'm done praying, just come up front. We're going to sing this last worship song. And in a sense, I'm not going to pray over you individually. I'll have some other leaders that will pray over you individually. I'm going to pray like Jesus, just with my hands over you. In a sense, like Jesus with his healing in his wings. It might seem silly or childish. It might even seem, to me, it seems a little bit Catholic. That I'm going to speak a blessing over you. But there is a blessing that I want to speak that speaks a better word than any curse that has been spoken in your life. So would you stand with me and let's just pray. Holy Spirit, I give you access to my full life, all of my history, my emotion life, my thought life, my spiritual life. Holy Spirit, you are saying today, you want to heal me. You're saying today, you wanna set me free. So if there's anything in my life that is still under the influence of a curse, God, today I wanna be set free. I confess if I've been sinning in an area, God, I don't wanna live in that curse anymore and I wanna renounce that sin. God, if someone else spoke a curse and I received it, I did nothing to deserve it, but I'm still under that influence. God, today I just wanna be set free. So Holy Spirit, would you reveal those things, whether it's one or 99? I am believing, Holy Spirit, today is the day of salvation. Today is the time of your favor. You are going to set free in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you're that one or the 99, just come up front. Just come up front. We're going to sing this last worship song. see is the battle you see my victory when all I see is the mountain you see a mountain move as I walk and as I walk through the shadow your love surrounds me to fear there's nothing to fear now for I say
And all I see are the ashes You see my beauty You see the beauty of it all When all I see is the cross, God You see the empty tomb So when I find a fire say of yourself this this is would you say of yourself that you are receiving a blessing that heaven is pouring out that you can't even contain it I'm, I'm going deep because sometimes we're just like sitting here like that might be me that might not you it's you it's me are you can you say before God that he has been pouring out a blessing that you cannot contain I'm just gonna say it again because whether it's the tithe and offering, if you are not receiving a full financial blessing, and not just finance in every area, maybe you need to visit the tray and it's right here. And if there's also, because tithing is one thing, it's our livelihood, right? The money is like how society works, but it's also in worship. If you're not giving of yourself the first and not the last, if you're not giving the best of yourself to God, and I was looking at those two things, there's, there's the flags which represent worship and dance, and you don't have to worship and sing and dance, but if you are, if there's any measure that you are lacking in your worship, like you need to get to the flag. And so I'm just going to lay that before us again, that, you know what, probably most of us don't even have cash. So I'm going to tell you right now to go to the ONC app, OsborneNeighborChurch.com, and you can do it right now and pull up your app. And if that's speaking to you, or if you have the cash, bring it up here, or go to the app and put in the money. You know, it's it's not for it's not for us. It's for it's for you. <laughs> it's for you and me. Tithing is for for me and my family. Thank you. That was a great uh, explanation, Pastor. And if it's of the flag then you get up here and get a flag as we just finish up this last song. And if there's any other curse, I just feel like if you come down here and get to the front of the altar, it's gone. So if any one of those are resonating, you better not hesitate. You better get your butt.